Yeah. Did you did you hear the little note? Yeah, I got it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, I guess let's go ahead and get started then, man. So uh welcome back to the Energy Fitness Podcast. Today I have the pleasure of talking to Dorian Soans, and he's a registered nutritionist. He's the creator of the symptom reversal formula. Uh, and he posts awesome shit on Instagram every day, good inspirational and educational stuff. Also very humorous stuff as well. And you can find him at uh, summit underscore health. And then what's the name of the other Instagram that you have too? Yeah. It's, uh, so just to correct you, it's actually summit, summit double underscore health. So summit, oh. yeah. And then the other one is symptom, just symptom reversal formula, which is the name of my program. So just one word, symptom reversal formula. Oh, that's, there you go. Easy. So everybody get on there, follow him. Check out his good shit. That's where I found Dorian at. Like, hell, I don't even know how long ago it was, but probably I, when I you probably I think you're one of the OGs. Like, you know, I haven't been on Instagram that long. I was kind of I was kind of forced onto social media by the pandemic. And I thought like I swore it's something I'd never do. So <laughs> now I'm on it, like, you know, completely full in, all in. And it's probably the best thing I've ever done because it's helped me reach more people. Like most yeah. of my clients are international now. So you know, I have uh, most of my clients are state based where I was just limited to where I was living before. So yeah, it's been awesome. That's a good evil to Instagram and, and the exactly. world webs for sure. Yeah, being able to reach more people. I agree with that entirely. That probably is when I met you because in the pandemic, I kind of like I went through my social media and got rid of a lot of people that weren't serving me any good and right. found other people. And you happen to be one of those people. Right, and- right. You talk a lot about histamine, and so that's right. what I want to talk to you about today. So, what what is histamine? What yeah, is- so so histamine is is an inflammatory molecule. It's made by your so you have two parts to your immune system. You have your innate immune system, <clears throat> pardon me, and you have your adaptive immune system. So your innate immune system is, is like blunt. It's fast to act. It's it's a blunt instrument, and your adaptive immune system is slow to act and intelligent. So when you get an infection, everything that makes you feel crap. To begin with, you know, the temperature, the inflammation, all that stuff is your innate immune system kicking in. And basically it's doing damage limitation. It's stemming the flow of that infection. And the whole time it's communicating back information to your adaptive immune system. And your adaptive immune system builds this perfect weapon, which is an antibody, which then goes out and attacks the infection. And then you're done. It's over. When the adaptive immune system kicks in, you're pretty much done, right? So histamine is part of the innate immune system and it just causes inflammation. If you cut yourself, right, that cut will like swell up a bit. That is actually histamine. And all it's trying to do is, is increase blood flow to that area. So that area has more protection from other white cells to stop any, any infection getting in, right? Okay. So, so that, that, is what, that is what histamine is. Uh, most people know about it mostly from, think, from allergies and things like hay fever, yeah. right? But um, that's not predominantly the, the sort of thing that I deal with when it comes to histamine. So is histamine a response pretty much to any, like any stressor, like internal stressor then? Yeah. I mean, histamine does a, a ton of stuff in your body. So for example, your, your circadian rhythm, like histamine is, it's not the most important part of your circadian rhythm, like your daily rhythm, but it, but histamine is a part of your daily rhythm. So people who have histamine issues are super fatigued in the day and then they'll find they can't get to sleep at night. Yeah. But, um, it also, uh, it's part of your digestive function, like histamine attaches to receptors in your stomach. And tells your stomach to make stomach acid, so it's like super important. Well, there's so, a lot of different purposes then. Right, right, and its main function is immune function, right? Um, so, so that is its primary function. But in me and you now, there's histamine doing a ton of stuff without us even being aware of it, right? Just all day, every day. 
Yeah, exactly. That's right. So as far as like, well, so that, that, that kind of opens up a lot of different doors for different questions yeah. and directions that we could go yeah. with there for sure. Yeah. Oh, Cause we live in a world today where like we're, uh, we're stressed out by everything, our food, right. our, our environment. So like, what's the biggest thing that you have people come to you about as far as yeah, good question. Yeah, great question. So, so there's two main there's two main issues that when I, where histamine becomes really patho pathological. We have we have allergies, but we're just going to put that to one side because that's not primarily what I'm dealing with. Most of the time, it's it's what I would call histamine intolerance, or and these are related things that sort of exist on a spectrum, or something called mast cell activation syndrome. So, mast cells are cells of your innate immune system that produce histamine, right? So, the kind of what it does is kind of self-explanatory in the diagnosis, right? Mast cell activation syndrome. These mast cells are overactive to stimulus and they're producing lots of histamine. Histamine intolerance is slightly different in that it tends to be a buildup of histamine in your system. If you imagine you've got like this bucket, right? Yeah. And, and you're okay as long as the bucket doesn't overflow. But there are, there are inputs into this bucket, right? With the bucket analogy. And if it does overflow, then you have problems like flushing, itching, hives, okay, yeah. um, uh, anxiety, um, that those are the sort of brain fog, joint pain, muscle pain. These so, are the main so does things. histamine, it, does it, is it have like a half-life and at a certain point it just dissipates? Yes. Yeah. Uh, good, another good question. So you have, we are, we have, we have histamine in our bodies. We get, got to get rid of histamine in our bodies. So a better analogy than the bucket is a bath, right? Okay. A bath and the tap is always on and the plug is always open. Right. <laughs> variables we can manipulate is the size of the plug hole and the size of the tap. So the tap is obviously your production of histamine from your innate immune system. The plug hole is your liver. You have to detoxify histamine through your liver. Right. So it actually goes through. Uh, you got your liver has two phases of detoxification and phases of detoxification refers to like enzymes that you produce in your liver. So you've got phase one, phase two. Histamine has to go through both phases and it has to undergo a process in phase two called methylation, right? Which is this biochemical process, which basically allows you to put histamine into your bile, which then squirts onto your food and then it comes out in your poo, basically. Oh. <laughs> so that's how that's how you get that's how you get rid of histamine. And it's it's a great question you ask because histamine intolerance, so muscle activation syndrome is a problem where using the bath analogy, right? Yeah. Where certain stimulus will turn the tap on full, right? Really quickly right and uh histamine intolerance is more an issue with the size of the plug hole you've got a really small plug hole i got so you it builds up too easily right and you can have both and they kind of exist on the spectrum does that make sense yeah it does make well so how do you how do you deal with that what do you yeah do you <laughs> well, yeah awesome question so um so like so let's talk about the histamine intolerance first so histamine intolerance it's, it's all about your liver and how well your liver is processing now there are genetic predispositions to this right so a really famous one well-known one that people listening might know about is mthfr which is a gene which controls how well you methylate right that's why i bring it up like your capacity for methylation right the faster you methylate the bigger the plug hole the slower you methylate the smaller the plug hole Okay. So when someone comes to me and they've got histamine intolerance, I, I don't need to do a gene test on them. I'm just going to assume, right? right? I'm just going to assume they've got those genes because right. most likely they have. Yeah, and it's fair. not that we That's one thing we can't do anything about, right? Your genetics, right? What your, your mom and dad gave you. Right. So um, when that's the case, okay, 
we know that we've got this genetic doesn't mean you can't be healthy. You might have a predisposing risk, but it doesn't mean you can't live without histamine symptoms. It's absolutely possible. But we've got to maximize the capacity that you do have. Right. And the way we do that is nutrients to the liver, right? If you look at the methylation cycle and what it requires, it requires folate. It requ this is a B vitamin, B9, riboflavin, B2, choline, which is a nutrient found in things like eggs. Um, it requires B12 or cobalamin. It requires methionine, which is an amino acid. It requires cysteine. Okay, so nutrients. So nutrients to the liver optimize the methylation cycle. So yeah. that's the most important thing. So how do we get nutrients to your liver? Is your gut, right? How well your gut is functioning, right? So there is this. So there is this gut histamine connection. Usually, it's a case of people's gut is not functioning the the way it should be. And so and the liver is not getting the nutrients today. Yeah, you got it. You got it. That's exactly the connection. So the liver is not getting the nutrients. That plug hole shrinking. Now you're going to get some overspillage. Right. Uh, I like the, the way that that wraps all the way around. So the problem yeah, yeah. is the histamine intolerance, but you go straight to the cause of the intolerance. Yeah. Well, we can go, we can go one step back from that even. Yeah. Okay. So why would your gut, what, why would you ever have, why would you have a problem with your gut in the first place? Right. And the, the thing that I want to really the focus on here, that's most relevant is your gut function. Okay. So your, your gut function is how is your stomach acid production, right. In your stomach your bile secretion from your gallbladder, right? That squirts, it's like a detergent that breaks up fat into small globules, the liquid droplets, like, like a washing up liquid. Um, you've got dead digestive enzymes coming out of your pancreas and you've got peristalsis, which is the contraction that moves everything along, right? You don't control that, right? That right. That's all happening, your autonomic nervous system without you thinking about it, right? Now, uh, it, it's controlled by a part of your autonomic nervous system which is your parasympathetic nervous system, right? So that comes out of your head, your vagus nerve, and that controls for certain functions like lowering your blood pressure, lowering yeah. your heart rate, your digestive function, right? And There's a lot of stuff involved. <laughs> right, right, right. And if, if your parasympathetic function isn't what it should be, you, you have limited digestive function, right? And so, so that's like like mental stresses yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, right? Right. Yeah, you, you okay. hit you hit the nail on the head. Right. Yeah. That that's the opposite end of the spectrum with your nervous system is your sympathetic function, your sympathetic nervous system. Now, it doesn't have to just be men. Like your body doesn't understand. Like we separate psychological stress and we separate physical stress, but they again, if you look at bucket, it's the same bucket. Your body doesn't know the difference, right? Yeah. You being super anxious, right, is the same as you not being anxious at all and over-exercising, right, or yeah. over-training, right? Okay, it's, yeah. the same. it's the same. If I consistently over-train and under-sleep, let's say, and over-caffeinate, and I'm not even anxious at <laughs> all, I'm pretty happy, that's a shitload of stress still, right? Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so doing that, and you basically shut down your, your gut function. You shut down your gut function. Now you're getting nutrients to your liver. Not only that, right, there's, a, there's like a double whammy here is that your sympathetic nervous system also stimulates your immune function, like it stimulates your immune system, right? Because that's in, in the environment we evolved in, stress meant infectious disease when we had to be defend ourselves because that's what killed most of our ancestors, right? Famine and infectious disease. Yeah. So when we're stressed, we ramp up the immune system. Now we've got a ramped up immune system. Now our liver's not getting enough nutrients and you got, you know, boom, you got histamine intolerance. This, Does that make this sense? Huge, yeah, this huge compilation of bullshit yeah. <laughs> because of <laughs> 
exactly. What are some of the things that people with histamine intolerance, like what do they lead to? Do they lead to autoimmune diseases or? Um, so, so you're saying, well, if you have histamine intolerance, is there a risk of, of, of other things happening off, off the back of that? Yeah. Or, or just in general, like how, because like you mentioned flushing and like the inflammation and stuff before, yeah. but that's got to be like beginning stages, right? Like how far can it go? Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you. So I, I have to say, like, I do get clients who have both like, so all, we, we discussed at the, be- at the beginning, like the innate and the adaptive immune system. Histamine is a problem with the innate immune system. Autoimmunity is a problem with the adaptive immune system, right? That's that's identified a tissue that it thinks is an infection, makes an antibody against that tissue. And I do get a lot of clients who have like both like uh Hashimoto's you know hypothyroidism yeah. and, and histamine that that's 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 something but then I don't think they're not necessarily related because they're too apart from similar processes like issues with your gut issues with your stress response can lead to autoimmunity as well as histamine issues but I get plenty of people who just have histamine issues and they're in a really bad place like um most commonly you know fibromyalgia have you heard of fibromyalgia yeah, yeah, yeah so, so fibromyalgia isn't really a diagnosis it's basically like you're chronically fatigued and you're chronically pain, have pain in your muscles, right? Which is what fibromyalgia means, but we don't know why. And I get a lot of fibromyalgia clients and, you know, they're, they're in a really shitty place. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're tired as hell. Sore. They're constantly in pain and, and no one's giving them any answers as to why. That is usually histamine, right? Mm. Like nine out of 10 times someone comes to me with fibromyalgia, that is actually a histamine issue that has not been identified. Because, you know, the conventional system outside of allergies is not doesn't really recognize histamine issues, right? So you could well have, if you have fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome or something like that, histamine can be behind it, right? Um, long COVID is, is a histamine issue. Long COVID is basically uh, COVID triggered this issue with your innate immune system, and no one really knows why, but... Every case of long COVID I've seen is, is an issue with histamine intolerance or muscle activation syndrome. Wow. Well, that's really important to understand because it's that yeah. you're saying basically that's something that can be reversed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, long COVID has been a mainstay of my business for the last few yeah. years, like oh, for yeah. obvious reasons. <laughs> right. and, yeah. And, and, and yeah, uh, you know, you know, applying the right things, you can get great results. You can make a massive difference. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really good to know. I, I actually know a few people uh, personally with fibromyalgia and uh, and I'm going to definitely direct them directly to yeah. this and, and to right. your page too. So like, is food the primary influencer here for, for histamine intolerance? Or I, I, So no, I, I mean, um, aside from getting those nutrients, right? I don't, I don't think it's the main driver. You can use food as a, you can use food to help you. Certainly like there's definitely better ways, things of doing things. There's like a low histamine diet. I'll be honest, I don't use it that much. It's, it's, it's hyper restrictive. And I actually find, you know, there are diets, like, for example, if someone comes in and has digestive issues, you know, 50% of the time, the low FODMAP diet is going to get them some symptom relief, right? Someone comes in with histamine issues. If I give them a low histamine diet, maybe less than 10% of the time, it gives them significant relief. So when when we're looking at bang for buck, it's not, it's not a big mover, right? Um, why so, is that? What, what what is it that how come doesn't well, low histamine diet work? Yeah, in a great another great question. It's like because most of the histamine you make is endogenous, right? It's it's in your body already. You're making it yourself. Right. It's always so, 
yeah, there are some people who it's just it's more of an issue of breaking down. You may break down histamine in your gut with an enzyme called dianamine oxidase or DAO, right? And if your gut bacteria is healthy, that sits in your gut lining. You eat cheese or whatever is high in histamine and it breaks it down. Where there are people who are very low in DAO, and if they eat histamine food, they're just massively adding to their bucket. But honestly, I find most people with histamine issues, it's specific foods that are, that are triggering them, that are triggering a histamine reaction, rather than the the buildup of food from from what they eat. So, like in terms of a big mover, I, I I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna say you should be definitely eating this food. You're that's triggering you. Like right. we'll go for symptom, we'll go for symptom relief, but like. Yeah. It's not like a big mover, but there are some things that can help with diet. Like I find generally speaking, like I'm sure, you know, like as a trainer, right. You know, you, you think, you know, a lot about diet and then you meet people and, yeah. everyone, <laughs> and everyone's different. Right? Everyone's there. Some people can eat garbage and be yeah. very fit. That's and some right. people right. eat carnivore or vegan. Yeah. Fit yeah. Too. yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> exactly right. So there's a huge individual difference. So I, I you know, I, anyone listening to this, who thinks they're an exception maybe you are but i'm just going to say like generally speaking like a high protein diet seems to work very well for histamine issues right one of the reasons would be is because a high protein diet requires all those nutrients that you need for detoxification yeah. and i was just i was just going to add to that because all the nutrients and vitamins and minerals that you mentioned earlier all the bees yeah. and the, right. those come in most high protein foods like like good exactly. and stuff like that so, exactly yeah. exactly and then you've got like methionine which is like a methionine is an essential amino acid right we don't make it you've got to eat it right it's high in like beef and lamb and stuff like that that's part of it that's the top of the methylation cycle if you look at a diagram and you've got cysteine which is an amino acid so basically like high protein diets tend to do slightly better for most people but there's always exceptions obviously right right of course is there like one food like you mentioned cheese earlier so is there yeah. Like what foods? Yeah, yeah. So, so cheese, cheese is like anything that's fermented, or okay. pickled, or aged. So cheese, uh, deli meats, okay. uh, pickles, sauerkraut, um, anything like that. Yogurt, kefir, all this stuff mm -hmm. is like that's really high in histamine. And then fish, like weirdly, fresh fish. Fresh fish is super. So as soon as they take a, they catch the fish, right? They prepare it on the boat. If you get a fresh fish. The minute that that fish is like filleted, it's gathering histamine at a really quick rate. However, if you get frozen from fresh, which means they do the same thing and they freeze it straight away, right? That's that that's not high in histamine because they froze it. So actually, yeah. you can get frozen from fresh fish, but not fresh fish. Um, which oh, is that's a good takeaway. That's yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's just because it starts to ferment, like as it's. It's just it's just like gathering. Amines, amines is part of the aging process, right? Okay, yeah. And for some reason, fish gathers really quickly. I mean, it can be the same. Like if you buy fresh meat, it's like a lot of people who have histamine, it's like, you know, I eat ground beef and I'm fine and I eat a steak and I'm not. And it's because the steak's been aged. That's it. And oh. things just get, gather amines as they age. Well, that's really cool, man, because like in so much of my research, like I always come across all these things that tell you that fermented foods are yeah. something that should be a mainstay in your diet. But I've always had, like, yeah. alcohols have always bothered me, and they're obviously fermented. Yeah. That's I've interesting. Tried... What's that? That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, no, all, like always. There's very few wines don't bother me. Right. And if I drink in excess of any alcohol, yeah. they, they do bother me. I'll get flushing, and I'll have yeah. breakouts and all sorts of things. And it was the same way with, like, uh, like we, we did uh, kombucha yeah. for a while because we yeah. – 
had read a million times. It was so good for you, but it was like, I could have a little cup every day, even apple cider vinegar. And those things really bothered me. So that's good. That's interesting. So I bet you, if we looked at your genetics, you probably have the MTHFR, right? There's certain things you can do like to help with that. Like uh, fermented food is great for you, right? All those foods I just listed, like nightshades are another one, by the way, like tomatoes, they're high in his All those foods are are good. They're good foods, right? There's nothing wrong with them. You shouldn't avoid them, but... So there's things we can do to, so NAC as a supplement, right? This is, if, if someone's like you and they're not super severe, right? We need to do like more lifestyle change stuff. But um, uh, someone like you, like supplements would be a really good thing to that, that, you, that can help you. So NAC is, is one, you know, N-acetylcysteine. Have you heard of that? I've heard of that's a newer one for like age and longevity, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty, I mean, like the FDA actually wants to regulate it because it was so effective for treating COVID. I believe, I think I just heard Ben Greenfield talking about this. Yeah, 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 you probably probably did. So NAC is N-acetylcysteine and NAC basically is the precursor molecule to glutathione, which is your body's major antioxidant and detoxification enzyme. Okay. So that that is why it would be related to anti-aging. Generally, the the better your levels of controlling your oxidative stress or reducing oxidative stress, that, that, that is the aging process is oxidative stress and glutathione is part of that. It also acts as part of your detoxification. So again, NAC is something we'd think of increasing the size of that plug hole, right? Um, uh, B vitamins as well. Again, like a B vitamin supplement, increasing the size of that plug hole. Yeah. Uh, you can take uh, like betaine HCL, which is a stomach acid supplement. You're yeah. adding to your acid, which means you're going to break down all that stuff better. B12, which is an essential part of the methylation cycle. You don't absorb B2, like... If you have lower stomach acid or your stomach acid is impaired or whatever, you don't, you, you, everything you eat is absorbed less than it would be. However, B12 is binary, right? It is or it isn't based on how strong your stomach acid is. You make something in your stomach called intrinsic factor. And to digest B12, it has to bind to the B12 molecule, this intrinsic factor. And that, without doing that, you won't digest B12. And that reaction only happens at below pH 3. So like strong stomach acid. Right. So again, stomach acid, we're increasing your nutrients, increasing that plug hole. Okay. No, that, and that does make a lot of sense too. And you're, you're probably right about my genetics because it's when I, if I do a strict carnivore diet, which I have periodically, yeah. when I do that and I eat a lot of liver and, and yeah. I'm eating hot food that increases the acidity and acidity yeah. in my stomach, yeah. I do the best. It's boring yeah. and yeah. it's, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Actually, I t- I tend to do better eating that way, yeah. as well. So, uh, and and I notice like I hate liver. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but like if all the stuff we're talking about, liver is an absolute beast. Yeah. Like for your for, for, your, for methylation for detox like riboflavin B twelve like it's it's a choline all the stuff you need for methylation is like liver, and I would rather people took that than a B vitamin supplement for example. But like most people hate liver. But I used to actually free. I used to cut it into like ounce cubes, yeah. and I'd freeze it, and then I'd swallow it like that. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then you're also getting it raw, basically, so you're not yeah. taking away any vitamins. Yeah. I once in a while I'll put some uh, frozen liver in a smoothie with some like dark sweet cherries yeah. and stuff like that, and that's it hides it. We hide liver in in all of our kids' food, like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's it's, it's so good. It's gross. Yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah. What. I've always wondered, maybe you have some insight on this. Like, it's one of the most highly nutritious foods for human beings, bioavailability wise, and it was prized by our ancestors. 
why do we hate the fucking taste so much? I, I, I think it, I think the taste is purely like cultural and like I it, like I read this book, um, Empire of the Summer Moon, right? It's about the Comanche, right? Okay. Who, uh, you know, they, they were absolute beasts, actually. So it's about them and their transition and basically how European, well, as Europeans were taking yeah. over in the 1800s, right? Yeah. And um, like the, the, on, they pretty much lived off Buffalo. That was it. They just follow the, the herds around and they'd live off Buffalo. And the, like the treat for the kids that they would queue up after killing a Buffalo to take a piece of liver and squirt bile acid from the gallbladder onto it and that was like a, that was like candy that the kids would oh, that, yeah. Savage. they were they were savage. <laughs> yeah that sounds so disgusting to me i can't even imagine like the bile acid squirted onto the liver but i think it must be cultural and i think yeah. like i'm pretty sure if you went to tribes who are still eating things like maybe the hudza or something yeah. Uh, who are eating organ meats from animals, they probably would have a different idea about it. And even my, like, if you look at our parents, Jen, I'm guessing you're around, I'm 41. I'm guessing you're around there and there. My parents' generation, you know, in the UK, at least, like bacon, liver, and onions was like a really popular dish. Yeah, for sure. Which, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned liver and onions now to this generation. Yeah. And it's like, no. So I think a lot of taste is cultural. Yeah, that's a good point too. And and like even in their like our parents' generation, they ate far less processed sugar than we do today, and processed right. sugars and everything. So yeah, and that definitely influences that. What well, well, that's a good question that just came to me. So what does processed sugar do to the histamine system? Does it? Yeah, that's interesting. So I mean, uh, in and of itself, I I can't say that I've uniquely noticed anything in and of itself. I mean, I know pro processed foods. It, aside from anything processed foods tend to be high, high in histamines but it was for people because it's aged the aging process and it's you know shelf stable stuff has been there a long time but uh i have found that people who aside from that they people who have histamine issues react particularly badly to processed foods in general right in general. okay yeah that. just in general and, and i don't have a good explanation from that i'm not just it's not just because it's gluten or it's not it can be anything but i i, I suspect it's probably just something to do with the fact that when you have histamine issues, your immune system is constantly on edge, right? Your, your immune system has basically got its foot to the gas. It's ready to go, right? It's ready to act. And, um, you know, your immune system outside your 80, 70 to 80% of your immune system is outside your small intestines, like looking into your small intestines, looking at what's going on. Oh, wow. right? And that's because in the environment we evolved and if we ate a parasite that got through our small intestines into our body, we were dead, right? right? Yeah. So it's like this paranoid security guard. Right. Yeah. And if you're putting stuff in there that is unfamiliar to the immune system, it just goes bananas. And I think that's probably part of it. Have you ever like epigenetically could someone like because I feel like this happens a lot to people like they're uh, they're a teenager and yeah. they, they feel like they can eat whatever they want. They become an adult. Life changes all of a sudden foods that never hurt them. They 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 abuse them. <laughs> what what happens there? So is, is something triggered or. Yeah, I, I think that is, I mean, this is me, you just described me, right, for example, but but I'm I'm not really like that now, right? So I can eat processed foods now to a greater degree than I could say six or seven years ago. Okay. And and I personally, it's, you're in, in the, the nervous system, right, that I, we talked about the autonomic nervous system, sympathetic and parasympathetic, that that communicates with the immune system. Your, your brain tells your nervous system what kind of environment you're in. I'm in a safe environment. I'm in a dangerous environment, right? I'm vulnerable. I'm not vulnerable, that sort of thing. 
and your immune system responds in kind, right? So if your if your body believes you're in danger and you're vulnerable, right? Yeah. It only cares about surviving till tomorrow. It doesn't care about optimization. It doesn't care if you're comfortable or happy or anything. It only cares about, can I get you to tomorrow? And then we can worry about all that other shit as long as I'm still alive tomorrow. Yeah. And like because infectious disease was such a major part of our, our past, you know, the immune system, the immune response is part of that. So if your if your immune system is on edge, you are more likely to be reactive to foods. If your immune system is happy and relaxed, it's less likely to be reactive to foods. Does that make sense? Yeah. The, so basically, just decreasing all stress, all, like yeah. lowering all stress will right, right, or increasing increasing your capacity to tolerate stress. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that. Like, at, like as a trainer, I always think of like threat analysis and like yes. people who are fit or yeah. healthy or capable of fighting, yeah. they yeah. there's far less threats in their environment. So they don't, exactly. so the same thing with the immune system then. So it, that, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And even those people who are fit, you yeah. know, if you push them too hard for too long, yeah. they would start to get that, those same issues, yeah. right? But but increasing your ability to tolerate stress and that that is as much about, you know, how you can adapt to stress as your recovery. Right. So some, someone who's in really bad shape, right, say that their ability to tolerate stress is extremely low, right, both both physically and, and mentally. Right. We want to increase that capacity and your training stimulus as well as your recovery is, is what's going into that. So recovery is like sleep. Like sleep is what 90 percent of your recovery probably game. If you can optimize sleep, you know, or you, you have a shitty night of sleep. Right. How much stress can you tolerate? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> Whereas if if you have if you have a really good night's sleep, now your capacity to tolerate stress is, is much bigger. So we're just doing that, but on a long term scale. Okay. Does that make sense? So like what's the best advice that you give to your clients when they when they start their journey? Like what yeah. How yeah. do they, how do you advise they start? Yeah. So uh well that it, it really depends where they are starting from, right? Mm -hmm. So I have people who come to me and they're doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> They, they know nothing right and then i have people who come to me and they've been trying things for a long a long time yeah so it really depends where they are on their journey so i will meet them wherever they are at but like um you know i, I like to start with diet because it's an easy controllable yeah. it's what people, i mean it's kind of what people expect coming to a nutritionist a lot right. of the stuff it isn't with diet but it's a it's what people most expect yeah. uh, and, and again it, it really depends where they are like you know, I've had people coming to me and that they have they eat three processed food meals a day. Right. And and I, you know, and, and it, they got they haven't got the health they want, they got hit symptoms or histamine symptoms or whatever. And I and I'm not happy when I see that because that's low-hanging fruit, right? <laughs> you know, am I gonna start saying we need to do all this is terrible, you need to go to do all of this? No, I'll just say so I'll I'll get them to focus. So someone like that, I'll probably just say, you know, you don't eat very much protein, right? You're eating like you're eating like 50 grams of protein a day. Oh. We want to try, we, we want to try and double that. Yeah. Right? I'm giving you a typical example. Yeah. So let's just, let's track where you are. Let's see where you actually are. And they come back at 45, 55 grams usually. And then, okay, let's do that for three days. And then let's like now try and increase and see how close we can get to your optimal or give them an optimal target, which will be like 130 or something if they're a, a woman. Right. How close we can get to that, right? right? Now their diet looks completely different because they yeah. thought about protein. And now they've got like the most essential nutrients, in my opinion, for like being able to detoxify histamine. And like I like that because that's an easy goal that yeah. you're, you're not saying yeah. like, like get rid of the foods you're eating and, and oh. replace it with these ones. You're just oh. saying 
Just let's just yeah. reach a macro goal. Let's just yeah. reach the protein. Exactly. Let's, exactly. Let's okay. Now, now, now your protein's looking pretty good. Now your protein's looking pretty good. You know how? What, what kind of movement are you doing? And like people fall into two camps. They do. They do nothing, or <laughs> they do way too much, or yeah. too much of the wrong stuff. It's like you know, I'll have someone who literally does nothing, or I'll have someone who's like, you, you know, I'm marathon training, so I do you know 10k's every day, right? Or something, <laughs> and I'm like. And that is that is awful for histamine. Like when we talked about the stress response, you're just deliberately jacking up your stress response, keeping it there for an hour, right? And that so and, and for often for these people, that, that will be the only time they feel normal because they have an impaired cortisol. Their cortisol response is impaired. They're like an addict, right? So oh, their wow. cortisol response is impaired. And it's only when they jack up their cortisol that they then feel normal because cortisol is now doing what it should be. Ooh, so um, yeah. I, I'm sure you've seen this as a trainer, right? So they become addicted to the the, the cardio hit types yep. of workouts, right? Yep. Or super intense CrossFit workouts. And generally speaking, like I want your workout. So number one, we've got to not stimulate symptoms. So it's got to be low enough that it doesn't give the stress response to stimulate symptoms. Number two is got to give an adaptive signal that makes you your body believe you're less vulnerable or more resilient. And I like to start like really like very low rep long yeah. break strength training okay yeah so really looking really like yeah so like it again the person yeah. who's just on the couch yeah probably not going to be telling them to do single rep de deadlifts if they've never done that before but yeah. we, we might start with like we might start with like 50 minutes each, each day how many lunges can we build up to or something like that yeah. right yes yeah. yeah, so, some kind of starting like, point, basic yeah. progressive overload right which yeah. you understand well yeah. again all in the context of like we want the minimum effective dose that's not stimulating symptoms but and then resilience at the same time so yeah right so nice steady easy yeah you got, okay. like if you can do 10 lunges right we in you know in a few weeks you want to be doing 20 right we've got to do that progressive overload never triggering the symptoms because that literally means you have got stronger right which is yeah. not a uh, and then if someone's more advanced maybe you will do some stuff in the gym with them and they will be doing like heavier weights or whatever just progress yeah 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 and uh, you know doing something like that in com combination with like high protein and then like a reverse diet right i find generally people with histamine issues have slow metabolisms um or slower metabolisms and and i think that is all part of the cascade of the body reacting to famine or infectious diseases it basically has some mechanisms where it can slow your metabolic rate so I find that people often aren't happy with their body composition when they cut. It's always like, I've got all these symptoms. Oh, and I'd like to lose weight as well. Oh, right. by the way, I need like, you know, 1,600 calories a day. And I'm like, we, we've got to, we've got to bump that up a bit before we can think about losing weight. And I found actually, I found in my clinical experience that as people's like um, metabolic rate increases, and I'm judging this on the fact that they're basically eating more and not really gaining weight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And sometimes eating a lot more and not gaining weight. Yeah. their symptoms seem to diminish right so i kind of feel, i i feel i don't know if men, i don't i haven't seen another practice i'm not saying I've, I've i've reinvented the wheel on this i haven't this is but my clinical observations are that basically as your metabolic rate increases and i've seen there is some like research on this but not directly in the context i'm talking about it for histamine issues as your metabolic rate increases your immune system response tends to dampen Right. And oh, I like the to response, the response of it, you're saying. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got you. So the histamine yeah. and then yeah. the other. Yeah. Okay. And and I think, right, if you'll allow me to speculate on what's happening here, 
is when your body is in this vulnerable, like famine, famine infectious disease state, right? right? It does a lot of work to keep your metabolism low because that's what it thinks is going to help you survive. Yeah, right. It puts it in a survival mode. Oh, that makes perfect sense, Dorian. That be, and yeah. people are ha like, as a trainer, I'm always telling people that, yeah. but for yeah. different reasons. Like, well, you need yeah. to eat more. Like, yeah. you're not eating yeah. enough. Yeah. And, and when they do bump it up, and especially when they're aiming towards a protein goal, they're always yeah. happier. Yeah. They're yeah. always yeah. happier. So the, the mood goes up, libido yeah. goes up, right? Yeah. They get stronger, they start sleeping better. Yeah. They're eating more and they but they're not gaining weight or more food. And 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 with that, right, the, the symptoms seem to diminish. So mm -hmm. I, I I do a lot of like when you say what I what's the goal of when people come to work with me, that's the goal. That's generally what I'm trying to get people. Yeah. And I found it to be like all the supplements, all the gut protocols, all the, that stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that stuff. I use it too, or uh, diets. Mm -hmm. I, I find that, that if we just build this program around increasing your metabolic rate or making you stronger or making you more resilient, whatever you want to say, the, 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 the symptoms diminish in, in a linear relationship with that almost. And it all just works. Yeah. And then their body composition, their body composition has to change. Yeah. It has to. Away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, the, I mean, the other, like your, your, the, your stress hormones and your sex hormones are made from the same molecule, right? DHEA. So, okay. so you're choosing with what with, you're choosing which to prioritize always. Should we do cortisol? Should we do more testosterone, estrogen, progesterone? Right. So, if we're creating more demand, like when you're in this state of like immune activation, you're creating demand for for more cortisol. That's what your body's prioritizing. What if we create more demand for the sex hormones? If we create more demand from the sex hormones, we're taking away from that side right yeah cortisol and your immune system work together they work together cortisol and your immune system so like when we start to look at the body like this everything's a trade-off right yeah. Yeah. we want to trade we want to get these beneficial trade-offs to get the the results we want does that make yeah. sense oh it makes perfect sense i, I didn't know that about dhe yeah. that's that's really yeah, yeah. that's really cool to know that's it that seems like it's really key and that's something that people don't ever talk about oh. i've literally never oh i mean it's it's an <laughs> It's an, it's, an, it's an awesome system, right? Like yeah. Evolution doesn't make mistakes because if you're in a famine, do you want to make babies? Do you want to build muscle? Yeah, you don't right. want to do any of that stuff. It's going to be a disaster. What yeah. you want to do is survive. You want to break down, you want to be catabolic, break down tissue for energy, reduce your metabolism, you know, turn off your gut. Now you're in, you know, now the drought's over, the animals are back or whatever. It's good hunting ground. Now you want to make babies, build muscle, do all that stuff. So yeah, yeah that's what we're trying to create. We're trying to mimic you know, abundance, basically. I like that. Is there, you, you've mentioned cortisol a few times. Is there a yeah. direct relationship between histamine and cortisol? There is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your immune system in general and cortisol. So cortisol super important. It's your, like your one, it's almost a foundational hormone. Most of your daily rhythm is based on cortisol. You get a big spike in the morning. That's what wakes you up. And then it tails off through the day. And that's how you can get to sleep at night. So you'll get up and go. So if cortisol is not functioning, a lot of things aren't functioning, like your energy will be off. But cortisol works. It's, cortisol does stimulate your immune system, right? If, if you have histamine issues, for example, and you, you're not having a flare, and I come and inject you with cortisol, you're going to have a flare. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah the other hormone that has a big in influence on histamine is estrogen. Uh, so, okay. yeah. Yeah. So, so histamine issues are more common in, in women, like more severe mm -hmm. histamine issues. So with men... It tends to be brain fog, fatigue, flushing a lot. Whereas women, it's the hives and it's the more the fibromyalgia type is, is more common there. Um, the, the chronic muscle pain. 
And 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 if this is you, if you're listening and you're wondering, you know, if estrogen might be an issue, your symptoms will get worse coming into your cycle. So as you come into your monthly cycle, they sort of kick up as estrogen starts to pick up as well to build the lining of your of your uterus. Um, and um, talk about that. I think a lot of women have that concern. Yeah, if if you if you find you have some histamine symptoms and they get way worse coming into your cycle, right? Itching, hives, rashes, whatever it is, brain fog, right? I mean, going into your cycle is not a comfortable time necessarily for for for, for most people, but not that it should be completely symptom free. But if you're getting like off the scale rashes and itching and stuff, that that would be indicative. And mm-hmm. estrogen is only a problem when it's out of whack or out of balance with progesterone, right? So progesterone is the other primary female hormone, and um here's where this all like ties in together is estrogen also once you use it you have to detoxify it through your liver right okay, okay. so how well you detoxify right it, it it affects both estrogen and histamine and if you have histamine issues you're creating a backlog and um uh yeah so if est- estrogen kind of is, is stimulates your immune system progesterone tells your immune system to relax so if estrogen is out of whack as in your estrogen dominant you have a bit more that's where you would have issues right okay. and like the symptoms i just said also very heavy if you have a heavy menstrual cycle um lots of cramping lots of bloating histamine issues that that would suggest you have some estrogen dominance oh wow that's that's really that's cool because there were times like like i've tried the fodmaps i've tried the low histamine yeah. and, and like we were talking earlier like carnivore was the one thing that really did work for me, but that's like a total FODMAPs. Like you eliminate even plant foods. Like it's, but it's funny that you said that about cortisol, because there was times that I had been really strict on my diet for, it like seemed like months. And then something really stressful would happen in my life. And obviously my cortisol levels would be elevated all day, every day. And I would have the same type of responses that I had, eating crappy foods before but the foods were not there there you go, yeah. there you go. Oh, yeah. okay. that's super interesting well it just uh, like it like a lot of people don't want to take stress seriously or think they can't control it or just think just stress but it it changes your biochemistry completely you know it shuts down your gut it changes the neurochemistry in your brain it stimulates your immune system you know there's a ton of things that happen from the perception of stress in your environment because ultimately we are designed to survive yeah, and that's, and your body's survival response will we're also designed to procreate we're designed to eat we're designed to sleep but your survival response will take precedence over everything because if you're dead there is no procreation <laughs> there's no eating there's no you know there's no nothing so yeah. it will literally hijack everything right to stay to, to to stop you from dying and getting through till tomorrow yeah i i saw that you said something the other day about uh on the same topic you were talking about people on vacation how they yeah. Yeah, felt better and didn't have the response. Yeah. yeah, right, right. That's super common. Like people will come to me and say, I've got all these food intolerances, blah, blah, blah. But it's really weird when I go on holiday, you know, I'm eating pizza and pasta and, and like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm pooping like a teenager. <laughs> and, uh, and that, that is super, that is super common. It's just your state of mind, right? Your state of mind, you get up in the morning, you've got to rush breakfast, you've got to rush to work. Yeah. Everything's good. You've got to get into work. You're worried about whatever you're doing at work. In holiday, it's like, everything's new. This like, your mind is open and curious. It's like new sights, sounds, and smells. Yeah. You don't have those same responsibilities. It doesn't matter what happens tomorrow, yeah. right? And in that state, you're—it's not even you, right? It's your subconscious just switches. You're yeah. now completely parasympathetic. Now your gut, what your gut functions perfectly. 
your immune system now is super easygoing. You know, it doesn't matter if you're eating the gluten now. So, so yeah, I mean, it's controls so many things like your, your nervous system. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you ever recommend, like, as far as that goes, do you recommend to anyone to meditate or to try to meditate? Yeah, time, yeah. I, I do. That. I like, I, I, I love, I love those, the, like deep seated, uh, you know, reaction to stress or maybe even traumas in some people's yeah. cases. That's, that's really difficult to unwind. Yeah, but it is possible, and with the tools that I offer, as someone who's not a therapist, just from my is that they, they it would require consistent work that you yeah. have to show up and do. Mindfulness is great, breath work is great. Um, I've got other sort of I, I'm trained in NLP, which is neuro linguistic programming. So there are other tips and techniques that we can sort of change our mindset around certain situations. All right. Okay. Uh, uh, I like to do that, but I like to do it in conjunction with the bigger picture of increasing yeah. your capacity to take on stress. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, from the internal. From the yeah, internal. exactly, exactly. Like, again, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just, I was just gonna say, like, it sounds like it has a lot to do with liver health, but yeah. it also has to do with gut health because if yeah. your gut can't deliver the nutrients to the liver, right. then it doesn't matter. So, right. yeah. But it sounds like it's funny because, um, like, the liver is has been noted by our ancestors for for thousands of years as like a one of most of the important organs, most important organs in our body, but also that it um, is the anger, like that people's right. anger comes from a malfunctioning liver. And I guess if you think about stress and inflammation, that is kind of an angry response. Yes, it is. Yeah. The liver is a beast. Like so many things happens in the liver. Like it is like, it literally is a central control center. Right. And it's so important you know, there's not many organs that you can get rid of them and they will grow back. Your liver, you can get rid of most of it. It will grow back, right? Your oh, liver, wow, that's amazing. Your, liter your liver can literally regenerate, right? Oh. Which shows you how important it is. It controls your metabolic health, like your insulin sensitivity has a lot to do with your liver, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, it has a lot to do with your hormonal health. You know, it converts thyroid hormones as well as um, detoxifying other hormones. So, yeah, it's an, it's an absolute beast. And, um, you know, the best way you can look after your liver is look after your gut, basically. <laughs> right. I, I do have one question for you, like, uh, regarding organs. Um, what does the gallbladder have to do with this? Like, I, I know yeah. quite a few people who've had their gallbladder removed. Yeah, yeah. So, can you talk so, about that? Yeah, yeah. So the gallbladder is, a, is like, a, it's like a, a bag or a sack. It is like literally like a bladder on that's on the liver. It's attached to the liver, right? And there's a tube from the liver into the gallbladder. And liver makes bile, okay? Bile is made from, uh, it's uh, like cholesterol, but it's also, it's, it's the stuff you detoxify. So everything you detoxify goes into your gallbladder, right? Or it's out in your urine or it mostly goes into your gallbladder. Okay. And it sits there full of bile, right? And when you eat food, that food, your stomach contracts, pushes everything into the duodenum, and there's like a tripwire that's triggered that contracts your gallbladder that squirts all that bile on your food. And the bile is, like I said earlier, it's like a detergent, like washing up liquid. It breaks up fat into small globules so that there's more surface area for them to be digested by the enzymes, which is like lipase, which comes out of your pancreas. Now, so it has a two-function, like it's like everything's so efficient in the body, right? You're yeah. getting rid of waste, and at the same time, you're using that waste to break down and, and detoxify, uh, not detoxify, to break down and uh, digest your food, right? And you're de detoxifying at the same time. So uh, if you have a, so there's a tube that goes from your liver 
and it goes from your gallbladder and they meet. There's a common bile duct, which actually meets with your pancreatic duct. So your pancreatic enzymes come out of there. And there's a like a little hole in your small intestine. It's called the sphincter of Odi. It's a little muscle that will let all these stuff out onto your food. Uh, so it all combines together. So if you get rid of your gallbladder, that that tube now is, is the, the the coming out of your gallbladder is defunct. You just have the 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 tube from your liver, and that means that basically, rather than you storing bile right and squirting it as you need it, yeah. there's a constant drip into your small intestines of bile. Okay, so what usually happens with people who have their gallbladders removed is they have a period where they get diarrhea because yeah. bile will excess bile will give you diarrhea right in, in your large intestines uh and that kind of starts to normalize over time and actually what they've seen in cadavers with people who've had their gallbladders removed is just above the sphincter of Odi, the tube starts to bulge and you almost make this secondary little gallbladder oh really yeah. oh that's that is cool as fuck that the body yeah. like like exactly. creates its own yeah. so yeah. that it can give it yeah. the amounts it needs yeah. instead yeah. of like yeah, yeah. so it, it, it creates a little storage pouch in that tube so yeah well, so, uh, so people with I work with a lot of people who don't have gallbladders. Sometimes it is trickier to resolve their digestive thing because they don't have that good bolus of, of bile at once with all their food. Yeah. Sometimes they have fatty food, but they can normalize their digestion, right? Well, that's good to know. That's really good to know. What yeah. what causes people? Because so many people now, like it's a common thing for people today to have their gallbladder removed. What what's the cause of that? Uh, my my uh, opinion on that would, would I think you 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 like you want your your gallbladder should be thin liquid right so every time you eat you want to fully contract your gallbladder right get rid of everything if your gallbladder is not contracting properly and you're not getting rid of all the bile in there it stays in there and eventually it starts to get viscous and then it starts to get gallstones and then the gallstones and, and that's what causes pain you can get a gallbladder attack and that's when you might need to remove your gallbladder right so the important thing to keep your gallbladder is to fully contract your gallbladder. So what controls contraction of your gallbladder? A couple of things. So first of all, we discussed it a lot today, the parasympathetic nervous system, right? You can go, you can type in parasympathetic, sympathetic in Google, and it will show you all the functions. Contracting the gallbladder is a parasympathetic function. The second thing is, do you remember I said when the food comes out of the stomach and into the duodenum, there's like a tripwire. That tripwire is set off by these cells in your duodenum called chemosensory cells, which literally sense acidity. Okay. If your stomach, so what's meant to happen is you squeeze very acidic chyme, which is a mixture of all the food, into your duodenum. And that acid is what triggers the contraction of the gallbladder and the pancreas to leave digestive enzymes. If it's a weak acid, the trip wire is weaker. You mm. don't contract the gallbladder as much. Uh, so if you're eating all, if you're eating a ton of processed food that's not the acid that comes from like meat and stuff like that, then your gallbladder is not going to get fully contracted. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a certain amount of that. So again, like what makes, what makes your uh, acid parasympathetic nervous function, right? It's what makes your acid. So that's probably the most important, but yeah, if you're eating just processed food, uh, your, 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 your stomach is intelligent. It knows what you're eating. If it's fat, carbohydrates, protein, it knows that it needs to hold on to fat and protein longer to make it more acidic, to break it down. And it knows if you eat something like a donut, we don't need to hold on to this. It will just, eject it yeah. it will go straight through because it doesn't need to hold on to it so, so yeah yeah what a, what a system what a system that's yeah. man that i feel like you've answered every single question i had like and you've made me ask so many extra questions no, there were awesome questions yeah well this is all you're you're very intelligent man you definitely you have, yo you have done your research like you're not like 
just some some dude that doesn't know stuff like <laughs> no, 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 dude, I, 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 I appreciate that no, I, I am very impressed and I'm like I said I have so many more I have so many more questions but I'm not really sure like where else to go from this one and where I think we're getting kind of close to our time so let me let me look back at my notes real quick right here and see how I can what question I feel I can wrap it up the best but uh do to do let me look here well shit man I, I'm I'll leave the floor open actually uh for you like so for one um if you guys are on Instagram, uh, you can find them at summit double underscore health on Instagram. Right. And also the other one is the symptom or symptom reversal formula. Right? Yeah. Oh, one, one, yeah. And, uh, and you can reach out to him there. Uh, and again, his name is Dorian Soans. And, um, and there's been a lot of really good takeaways in this episode so far. So if the, is there anything else that you, that you'd like to add to this? No, man, we've, we thrashed that out pretty well. I mean, we can, if you think of other questions, I mean, there's so much we could cover. Right? We can always do another <laughs> one if you want. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm good to do another one. I've really enjoyed this. Um, you know, I really appreciate you having me on. So oh, I, I, I appreciate it, man. I really do appreciate it. We tried to get you on earlier, but just the schedules didn't line up. So but I'm, I'm really happy that we're able to get you on. <laughs> yeah, no worries, man. It's difficult when you're dealing with busy people, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, and, and good most good people are busy. So that, that makes scheduling difficult. <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, yeah, I'll finish with just one quick question. Cause I was curious on like, as far as exercising goes, cause that's something that, that I deal with yeah. on a daily basis. Like, what do you recommend for, like, obviously most people can't just get off the couch and do like a high intensity workout anyways. Okay. And they're, and they're not willing to, but like, like if you could like quickly, basically just run through, like what would be for somebody who is inactive, they're unhealthy, they're eating processed food, three meals a day. They don't go outside. They don't tend to their uh, environment. Like they're, they're not grounding or sun using sunshine or anything to reduce outer stress. Like what's your basic, this is, this is what I recommend. Yeah, that's easy. I would do, so I would start like if you're as, I, as the person you've described, I would start with a 10 minute walk after each meal, right? 30 minutes a day, finish your meal, get outside your house, time five minutes, turn around when the alarm goes off, right? That's been shown to basically be more effective than metformin for diabetics. That's going to balance your blood sugar. You're going to feel a bit better. You're going to feel like you have more energy if you've got stable blood sugar. And then um, workouts. Keep it really simple. I would start with doing something every day because you're going to build consistency in a habit and do literally one set every day. I do one set of something like lunges, which is a really good lower body exercise, right? You can start with body weight if you don't do anything. We're looking for minimum effective dose. If you're getting sore, it's too much. As long as you're progressing, we don't need to increase how much you're doing, right? See if you can get up to like 20 back step lunges, right? Before you even think about progressing to something else. And then you could just do one other exercise like a press up, which is like a push, but you've also got some like um, isometric stability stuff in there as well with your back and your abs. And yeah. so you could do, and you can start off your knees if you can't do a full press up, but see if you can get to 20 lunges, each leg, 20 press ups, do, do a, one set every day and you're looking to increase, right? So like the first week, maybe you're doing five of each, then the next week you're doing six and so on and so forth. When you get to the 20 reps, you're a fundamentally physiologically different person than you were before. Now it's worth 
thinking about other clever things we can do to add volume, or maybe you join a gym or something like that. But you can start with that, right? If you're just getting off the couch and that will be awesomely effective. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's great advice. I think that's yeah. great advice. I love the walking after meals too. I, I've read a bunch on that and that you're right. That is, there's yeah. been a ton of studies now on it. Yeah. And it's, that's a, one of the most powerful like biohacks that you can. Right, do. right. And, and you're getting outside, right? So you're going to sleep better, just getting the sun on your eyes, right? And it's free. That's what I love about that yeah. too. Is that's like, yeah. So many people I feel like are like they're unwilling to do certain things because they're like, well, it costs money for me to yeah. consult somebody or it costs, costs money for me to go to a gym or blah, 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 blah. And you're like, well, OK, fair enough. Sure. But you can walk like or, you know, most people can walk. You know, obviously not everybody can, but like you you can eat a meal and then you can go for a walk or you can go put your feet in the grass or you can expose your skin to the sun periodically like. And these are free things that everyone can do and has access to. And so there's really no excuses for sure. And so uh, I, I like this. Uh, this was a great episode. I, I have learned a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I could teach you something. Oh, for sure, man. No, you, you've taught me a lot. And I, I love this. I, I love this. I love, I love doing the podcast anyways, because I love talking to different people and that are professionals in like, like you that have all this golden information like every question i ask answers several more questions <laughs> and it piques me even more so this is this yeah. is awesome yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're right about the hour there so we'll go ahead and and uh and we'll close it out man if you just want to tell people where they can find you and yeah man yeah but again like thanks for having me on i've really enjoyed it like uh it's been a great conversation so yeah, Summit Double M School Health, that's my main Instagram, follow me there. Uh, my secondary one is Symptom Reversal Formula. Either of those is absolutely fine. That's the best place to find me. Awesome. That's awesome, man. Do, do you have a website or anything that I can add to show notes? Yeah, uh, www.summit-health.co.uk. That's my website. Okay. I'll, and I'll put that in the show notes. And I'll put his link and everything to Instagram on, in the show notes as well, too. And and. Uh, yeah, this is awesome, man. You, you got me thinking uh, about asking you to do another episode on some other stuff later. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll be keen. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate you, brother. Where's the